0: Anyhow, guys, let's turn to our Bibles. First Peter, chapter 5. We made it to chapter 5, finally. Hard to believe, but there's actually only, after tonight, two Bible studies left in this chapter. We're almost through to the summer. Just remind you though you've heard me talk about it, but uh, a month from tonight, Tuesday night, May 25th, Bill Buffington will be here. And uh, he'll be bringing a special message, and we're praying fingers across. We might have some F-O-O-D, but don't hold me to it. It's not up to me. Yes, yeah, some bacon, bacon. Man, I can't wait. I can't wait for our first men's breakfast since this whole thing started out. We're going to have about 100 pounds of bacon, guys. Just, it just be nothing but bacon. No eggs, no nothing but bacon. Bacon in the Word, nothing better, Amen. All right, well, tonight, the title of the message, Suffering as a Shepherd, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1 through 4. Let's read it. Chapter 5, The elders who are among you, I exhort, I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed, shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly; not for dishonest gain, but eagerly; nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Now, Peter pretty much has covered speaking about every single person, type of person in the church. And lastly, now he speaks to the elders, the shepherds. And we talked last week about suffering as a Christian, bringing honor and glory to his name, even as we go through the fiery furnace of trials. Anybody got any furnace uh, testimonies from last week going through the fiery furnace? Hopefully not, (laughs) although we know God does the work in those. But having told the people that judgment's going to start at the house of God first, of course, he addresses those in the church that have been called to lead the elders, the overseers, and I can see why he's addressing that, because the challenge, of course, recognizing when, when Peter said the end of all things is at hand, everybody was going to be going through it. Not just the congregation, but the pastors, the elders, the shepherds as well. And, of course, the whole mentality of, of every man for himself and, and you know what, <laughs> I'm going to take care of myself, had to be fought. Um, they needed to endure the trials and the suffering as shepherds, just as the flock was, not becoming selfish and self-centered. And, of course, um, in this idea of being an elder, they were, they were being encouraged. They, they couldn't jump ship. It'd be like, wait a minute, it's getting a little too hard here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to retire quick. I'm going to pull out of this thing and go get into my house up there in the, in the mountains or something like that. No, they were exhorted to shepherd the sheep. Stay right where you're at. Be there. flock. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, looking beyond their own suffering, their own needs to minister to those. Being, of course, as we've spoke through this whole entire book, an example of Christ. And just as Jesus did, remember when Jesus was on the cross? What were the things that he said to the people that were out there? The most important, of course, was, Father, forgive them. Yeah, he's up on the cross. I mean, it wouldn't have been that for me. It would have been, Father, bring down your angels. And oof, no, Father, forgive them. And then what did he say to his mother and to John? Remember, mother, behold thy son. Son, behold thy mother. In other words, while he was suffering, he was still taking care of others, their needs. In this exhortation, although written to the elders, guys, it applies to all of us. Why? We're all elders, we're all shepherds somewhere in our lives. Whether it's your families, your kids, your coworkers, your neighbors, wherever you're at, you're a shepherd. And that's one of the things we try to encourage that you guys understand it, that really, ultimately, we're all pastors. And I love the fact that Peter, he says that he was a fellow elder. Just because I'm the pastor up here teaching doesn't mean I'm any different from you or you're any different from me. It's just the place that I've been called to in this particular time in my life But we're all to pastor. We're all to be shepherds. We're all to be out there ministering. Why? Because everybody's going through it. And and I think at this time that we're in, that people, I shared this with the leadership, there's like a collective madness going on out there in the world. Have you noticed? Not just in the way people are driving. Can I get an amen there? It's scary. I mean, I, I used to be accused of being like an offense. I guess, yeah, an offensive driver, you know, but no, I'm a defensive driver, man. Man, I come to a stop sign, it turns green. Honk, honk. Okay, I'm going. I'm waiting. I mean, it's crazy out there. I was at the gym yesterday, no kidding. And I I'd ran into a guy I hadn't seen since the whole COVID. And so, you know, hey, how you doing? First thing out of his mouth, hey, did you get that, you know, that, that little shot thing? Oh, yeah, I got it a long time ago, man. Yeah, my wife working at the ER at Harbor. <laughs> I know she was bringing that junk home, and she'd already got the shot. So, yeah, I got it as quick and as soon as I could. I probably couldn't have received a worse look if I had called his wife every name in the book. He looked at me with such disgust. I, mean, I just literally was like, man, we, don't hit me. I mean, it was crazy. People are coming off the rails, guys. People are losing it. The devil is raging. He's ripping people off all over the place. All of us, guys, all of us need to be coming alongside and shepherding people as we're going through these, these crazy times. As we see the, the end, at least from my perspective, the end of all things is at hand in that regards to where people are just nuts out there. And they need us. They need the Christian. They need the, the men of God to come and shepherd and encourage, and build up, and lift up, and be really magnanimous, stepping out of that situation and not getting caught up into it personally, like, you know, that, that whole mad dog, hey, talking to you talking, you know, no, 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 hey, this guy is going through something, there's something seriously affecting his, his outlook on life to where somebody that he, you know, would probably call a friend on a dime, all because I got a shot. I don't, I don't care if you don't get a shot, but I mean, just because I get a shot, don't hate me. But we need to be there. And God has given us, of course, this ability to shepherd. So first thing, though, the definition of a shepherd. Number one, of course, it is, it is so simple and it's meant to be simple. There isn't some big theological discussion that needs to take place on what a shepherd is. Simply one who tends, one who feeds, and one who cares for people. Just as the Lord is our shepherd... We shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. That, in turn, is like marching orders for us to, to be that concerned about others around us. Turn with me to John chapter 21, and we'll, we'll see how Peter got taught in the school of shepherding by Jesus. John chapter 21, verse 15. Now, of course, this is such a great passage of Scripture. Of course, this is be the third time that Jesus appears to... Peter and the disciples. And of course, this is that famous chapter where it's almost like Peter and the other guys had finally said, You know what, we've blown it so much, Jesus is dead. Even though we've seen him, you know what? We're going back to the old life. That's how I see it. Jesus, Peter says, I'm going fishing. I'm done. I've messed up. Well, of course, Jesus being who he was, shepherding the flock, shepherding the apostles, the disciples, he meets them on the beach. Throw your net on the right side. We catch a ton of fish and come on in, let's have some breakfast. And so he makes some breakfast and they're sitting there eating. Then after breakfast, verse 15, so when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And of course, this is an incredible passage of restoration for Peter, but also um, there was a work that God was doing in, in Peter's heart. Do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than these guys that are here? Because... Remember before all this happened, how you kind of bragged about the fact that, well, even though all depart from you, d- desert from you, I will never, I'll die with you. Well, do you love me more than these guys love me? Because you kind of didn't really prove it there when I was being tried and, and scourged and beaten and such. Do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said, okay, here it is. If you love me, feed my lambs, nourish, watch over. 16. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And we're not going to go back and forth with the Greek there on agape and phileo, and that's a great study there. But the idea here, he's saying, if you love me, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep, take care of their needs. And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had asked him third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Simply. Of course, the definition shepherd number one, who feeds lambs, who feeds the sheep. And this speaks of one who is spiritually responsible. Now, Peter went through this school of shepherding right there. If you love me, Peter. Feed my sheep. Christian, if you love me, feed my sheep. That's all God is asking us to do. That's what a shepherd is. Feeding, instructing, guiding, pointing people to Jesus. He feeds the lambs, but also he tends the sheep. Tend my sheep. Speaks of the physical needs other, rather than just the spiritual needs. Taking care of the sheep and, and, and watching over them, attending, guiding, protecting them, especially from the enemy. And of course the idea that it was I believe was purposefully made to be so simple that it wasn't going to be something difficult for us to figure out what Jesus would want in this idea of being a shepherd. So the definition but number 2 now the qualifications for a shepherd. Verse 1 I love what he says here the elders who are among you I exhort I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed qualifications. So now Peter here, in preparing to exhort the leaders, to instruct them, to tell them what to do, he he gives his qualifications. Really, in a sense, kind of establishing his authority. Now, obviously, most of the believers in that time knew who Peter was. But of course, Peter, where he's sending this letter, I'm sure he didn't know 90% of the people, probably all the people. They'd never seen him. So who is this Peter? And of course, he starts to let her off, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, but even now he gives these qualifications. It's like if we were to introduce Pastor Bill Buffington up here, and I share with you, well, this is Pastor Bill Buffington. He's from Calvary Chapel, Inglewood, and he's pastored that church there. And he was previously at Calvary Chapel Downey and kind of, you know, and you've, you've heard people introduce that are, speaking at, you know, maybe different functions. And they, a lot of times they'll give, you know, like education and, and, and or years of experience in the type of field that they're going to be speaking on and such. That's what Peter's doing here. He gives them the qualifications. To the elders who among you, I is exhort, number one, I who am a fellow elder. And really we see these qualifications. His qualifications was, ultimately, he was a humble man. It wasn't, I am the... Chief Apostle Peter, the one who was the right-hand man to Jesus, the top dog, uh, the Pope, or the future Pope. No, he didn't say that. What does he say? Fellow elder. Fellow elder, the only place this word is used in the New Testament. Sum presbyterios. Fellow elder. I am one of you. You and I are the same. We're in this thing together. We're the same. After 30 years, 30 plus years, Peter has not lost the humility that really was, was he gained when he was humbled there when Jesus told him, Peter, sorry, tonight you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. That humiliation that, that breaking, that weeping, that humility was still there after 30 years. And guys, of course, this humility is key to Christianity, to remain humble. Sad to say, in, in some of my experience in dealing with pastors who have gone through the years, instead of staying humble, very often the opposite happens. That, that the enemy sneaks in there, and, and because of his ways of, of puffing people up, instead of being even more humble at the end, they're actually prideful. They're actually looking down on people, thinking that they're all that. Of course, we know in Proverbs 16 and 18, pride leads to destruction and arrogance to downfall. Sad to say that's happened before. Peter never lost and forgot the lesson of humility. He was a humble man, but number two, he was an experienced man and a witness of the sufferings of Christ. Think about that. Of course, he was there, he was in the midst of all that. He experienced, he saw it. He was, you know, you think of of there being at the very beginning with Jesus 30 plus years ago. He'd seen and experienced more than most, And, and there's something to be said about the experience that is there. Something to say, you guys, even in your work field, your, your place of employment, those who have been there for years and years and years and years, and just just the, the time experience alone, it can't be bought, it can't be taught. It's just ingrained in a person, it's just there. Um, and even Peter and his failures, no one else did what Peter did. That experience alone was enough to give him um, really the qualifications or the authority, basically. And he was a battle-worn vet. He'd been through it, man. Imagine, 30 years in the starting of the church, just like uh, Paul. And, and really, a shepherd needs the experience that only time can bring. So he was an experienced man, but also, number three, he was a believing man. I also will partake of the glory to be revealed. And his faith was real. It was genuine. It was tested by the fiery furnace, and when Christ returns, he was going to be there just as they were going to be there. He was a believer. He had light, precious faith that he talks about in 2 Peter chapter 1, Like precious faith. And it's so important And because and, there's a lot of people who have faith. There's a lot of people who believe. But you know what? It's not the same faith. You can walk up to a lot of people and, hey, do you know? Oh, yeah. You, you begin to dialogue with them before you know it to like, Eh, yeah, okay, I get it. You want to, you wanna whatever. They don't have like precious faith. Peter had it. Peter was qualified to speak about shepherding, of course, because he knew the good shepherd. So we see the qualifications, number two. Number three, though, we have the responsibility of a shepherd. Verses two and three. Shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers... Not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And this is such a great passage of scripture, really, for elders, for the leaders of the church, for the pastors, because it speaks right to the heart to where there are problems that take place. So, what was a shepherd supposed to do, of course, in a physical sense? The very life of a sheep was in the care and hands of the shepherd, of course. To feed, to protect, to lead, to guide, okay? Okay? But when we think of shepherding God's people, both the spiritual and the physical care are the responsibility of the shepherd. Why? Because huh, we're going to give an account. All will give an account. And there's that, that challenge that is there for the chief pastor or shepherd of the church is that what is said, what is taught, what is done, everything there. You're going to give an account for. Why? First off, the first thing about the responsibility of shepherd, number one, is to understand who the sheep belong to. Who do the sheep belong to? It's the flock of God. (laughs) He died for them, He bought them, He saved them, He owns them. Not you, not me, not the pastors of the church. We're just stewards. We're all just stewards of God entrusted with the care of his sheep. And of course, the problem that I see that happens in the church is that after a while, the pastor or the church begin to think that the sheep belong to them. that, That these are my sheep. And it's interesting. A lot of people ask why Calvary Chapel doesn't have a membership. Well, here's a good reason why right here. We don't want people to think that they are owned by this church through some type of a membership. And a membership can do that to people. I remember when I was at the Nazarene Church before coming here, and there was a church membership, and you joined the church. And I see the reasons why, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm a member of this. But you know what? There were people in that church that wouldn't leave that church if it was on fire because of the mere fact that it was like I'm I'm betraying the church. I'm betraying the pastor. I'm a member here. I can't leave. I got to stay here. You know what? No, 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 no. You're free to go anywhere and everywhere God leads you without feeling one bit like, man, gosh, no. If God calls you to the church down the street, go to the church down the street. The church doesn't own you. We don't own you. God owns you. God calls you to where you're supposed to go. And there's freedom in that. And I love it. Man, and no one's going to come knocking on your door if you don't show up on Sunday morning. Serious. Oh, hey, you know what? Uh, you know, so-and-so didn't show up. All right. Send the police, man. Send them out. Come knocking on the door. Where you been? What's going on? Huh? Let me see your phone. We got it. We pinged it, baby. We said, you, you went where? You went to what church? Oh, can't believe it. No. Number one, responsibility. Understand who the sheep belong to. They belong to God. And boy, I tell you what. Remember that. Number two, serve the sheep. And how do we serve the sheep, of course? Number one, as overseers. One who watches over the sheep to assess their condition. Those who have God's heart for his sheep. And how they look after and how they care for and watch over. And it's serving by carrying and leading. So as, as overseers. Now this word overseer, of course, elder, leader, whatever it is. It's not to be taken as a position of superiority. Even as Peter said, I'm a fellow elder. There just may be a place where there are some sitting here that have been called by God to be overseers. But isn't an overseer as if. Well, you know, I got a promotion at the church, man. I got, I'm a deacon now, baby. Can't wait to be that bishop. I'll be the bishop next. I'm shooting for the pastor position, man. He gets all the big bucks. I'm, that's what I'm going for around here. And people start wearing those badges like... Deacon, baby. 18 years, I've been a deacon. Well, 19 years, I'll catch you. I mean, it's sad. Overseers, as willingly... And what we do is out of love for Jesus Christ. That's why we're doing what we're doing. That's why we're involved in a church. That's why we're a shepherd. We do this out of love for Jesus and his sheep. And as Peter was exhorted by Jesus, if you love me, Peter, tend my sheep. Man, not because you have to or you think it's a duty. It can't be. Man, not by compulsion. God's not going to twist anybody's arm to serve, and if you feel like God is twisting your arm to serve, then you're in the wrong place. Something has happened with your heart, and it's just like we go back and use Moses again as an example. Man, yes, Moses, you had a tough time. There was people out there whining and complaining. People don't really do that in church. (laughs) (laughs) Of course they don't, but no, they were whining and complaining, and yet... Still, what was God going to do? He was going to give him water. And he tells Moses, hey, Moses, take your staff. Speak to the rock. Speak to the rock. Man, Moses wanted to take that staff and smack the people. And we would all been there. We would have all been there with Moses. Not a question about no way. And yet we know what happens. He hits the rock twice. God calls him over. See, that, that's what happens. Moses had lost that heart to be a shepherd. He let the, the people get to him. So serve as overseers, serve as willingly, see as eagerly with the passion of Christ, eagerly excited about getting this opportunity because of the high calling and the privilege that it is to shepherd people. And of course, there was a problem obviously. You said here, shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not For dishonest gain. What was going on back then? Same thing that's going on today. And I, I, you know, people believe that basically he's speaking of the false teachers. False teachers, man, they were in it, they're in it for the financial gain and what they can get out of it. And sad to say, the devil is in the details, and that is happening today. We look at the prosperity doctrine, we look at the false teachings, and really, it's a dead giveaway when, when you see and you hear that these people talking quite a bit about money. Like, I need that $65 million jet. Now, I know that's an old illustration, but it's perfect. No, you don't need a $65 million jet. And no, you don't need to ask and beg the people and talk about it. No. Dishonest gain. Peter said there in, in 2 Peter 2.3, because of their greed they will make up clever lies to get a hold of your money. Man, the devil's just so tricky. And that was one of the big problems that Martin Luther had with the Catholic Church back in the days of Reformation, right? And this little thing called indulgences. If you read up on that, it actually started out um, with a good intention. Hey, we can get some extra money to be able to take care of the poor, the needy, et cetera, et cetera. But it's like anything else. When the devil's in the details, it turned bad. It turned sour. It turned ugly, and it turned into a thing. Well, you know what? For a prayer and a promise, and some money, of course. If you give us a little money, well, we'll pray for your dear loved one that they won't have to spend a thousand years in purgatory, but only maybe a hundred. And really, the bigger the amount of money that you can kind of give to the church, well, the well the we can assure you the less amount of time they'll have to spend there. I mean, who wouldn't pay for their son or daughter to get out of purgatory? And of course, sad, indulgences, dishonest gain, filthy lucre. And nothing new under the sun. Paul told Timothy the same thing in chapter 6 of First Timothy, that many would think that godliness was a means for gain thinking, hey, I, man, so all you got to do is be a little charismatic and be able to speak in front of people and kind of teach them something out of this thing called the Bible, and you can get a house on the hill. I'm there. I'm there. Becoming a shepherd or a pastor was a way to make easy big bucks, and it's a horrible witness in the, the world today. Of course, for many that are on the outside who... Won't step foot in the church just because of the hypocrisy and because all the pastor wants is your money. Sad, sad, sad. But as examples now, lastly, number four, or D, examples of Jesus. Serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. Examples. Representing him in his heart as a shepherd, turn me to John chapter 10. Here, Jesus speaking of himself as the good shepherd, the true shepherd. John chapter 10. Didn't hear those pages turning out there. Come on, let's go. Let's get them things. John chapter 10, Jesus speaking, I am, this is verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Here we go, the example. That he is setting. But a hireling, someone who's in it for the money, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. A hireling who doesn't care about the sheep. And the hireling flees, verse 13, because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and am known by my own. And as the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Now, in their case, as Paul is, I mean, as Peter is talking, that literally could happen, and literally did happen. I'm sure, were the pastors of the church, the leader, the elder, the shepherd of the church, whatever, um, for his faith. Maybe he became one of Nero's big targets. So as examples. Again, remembering that those sheep belong to God. And when we, when we look at that truth, understanding how um, jealous God is for his people, for his sheep, this love that he has for them, we've got to be careful. You don't have to turn there, but I'm going to read a passage to you in Ezekiel 34. And it's entitled, Irresponsible Shepherds. And it just speaks of the fact that when you're dealing with God's people, when you're ministering, and all of us are in that respect, there's a right way to minister and there's a wrong way. And if it's done wrong, God is going to hold you so accountable. He will also, in a sense, remove you from that place of being a shepherd by any means necessary. Ezekiel 34, and the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God to the shepherds. It's not a good day when it's the thus saith the Lord deal. Woe to the shepherds of Israel who feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flock? You eat the fat and clothe yourself with the wool, you slaughter the fatlings, but you do not feed the flock. The weak you have Not strengthened, nor have you healed those who were sick, nor bound up the broken, nor brought back that which was driven away, nor sought what was lost. But with force and cruelty you have ruled them. Man. So they scattered the sheep because there was no shepherd. And they became food for all the beasts of the field when they were scattered. My sheep wandered through all the mountains and every high hill. Yes, my flock was scattered over the whole face of the earth. And no one was seeking or searching for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, says the Lord God, surely, because my flock became a prey, and my flock became food for every beast of the field, because there was no shepherd, nor did my shepherds search for my flock, but the shepherds fed themselves and did not feed my flock. Therefore, O shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my flock at their hand. I will require their lives for my flock at their hand. I will cause them to cease feeding the sheep, and the shepherds shall feed themselves no more, for I will deliver my flock from their mouth, that they may no longer be food for them. And that's a solemn warning to any who would take a position or be involved in being a shepherd, an elder, a leader, overseer. And how God regards that. So important to understand, man, the responsibilities that are there. Amen? Then lastly, number four, the reward of a shepherd. Ah, I love the fact that Peter tosses this in there. Because, of course, they needed encouragement just like everybody else needed encouragement. The reward, verse four. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Now, interesting, he does not say... And when you've served for 30 years or when you've done all this and everything, then you're going to get, no, the reward comes when? The reward comes in heaven. Here, Peter encourages that in your suffering as shepherds, he lets them load their labor not in vain. We love Hebrews 6.10. For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown towards his name, and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. Of course, that applies to us as well. He tells them of the reward that is to come not only for believers, but for those who are elders, those who were the leaders. They would receive the crown of glory. I love that. The crown of glory, which does not fade away, that will last for all eternity. And the rewards, the blessings for serving God's people, and that's, of course, the reason you do it. You guys that have been involved and you're serving people, you understand. You know what I'm talking about. There's nothing better. Man, there's no more sweeter sleep than after you've been here on a Sunday. You guys that have been here service after service after service, serving God's people, doing what he's called you to do, whatever, whatever. And, and, man, it was a good day. And you were able to pray with people and encourage people. Maybe you led someone to the Lord or maybe went on a mission trip, whatever. And just, man. How good is that sleep? How sweet is that reward? In this life, joy and fulfillment in loving others that can only be experienced by those who are actually doing it. Because if you're not doing it, you're not going to experience. But the greatest reward, guys, as we know, comes when? After we leave these tents, we put out these bodies. Man, and we're in heaven. And I love this idea of the crown of glory. There's actually five... Crowns listed in the New Testament, you have the imperishable crown, 1 Corinthians 9.25, that cannot be taken away, endures forever. This is where Paul's talking about running the race and running to win, and those who run, <coughs> they're doing it for a perishable crown, of course, speaking of the physical, but we for an imperishable crown. Cannot be taken away, endures forever. And They had the crown of rejoicing, 1 Thessalonians 2.19, talking about, when you were involved in someone's life and you've influenced them and they've made a decision for Christ and they're gonna be in heaven because of your impact or your conversations or even maybe leading them to the Lord, man, a crown of rejoicing. Woo! Then the crown of life, Revelation 2.10, that is given to those that he's talking to there in the churches, those who endure, those who make it to the end, those who stand up in the midst of the fiery furnace trials and don't turn back and don't turn away. The crown of life. Then there's the crown of righteousness. Paul spoke about that when he told Timothy about it. Man, I finished the race. I have fought the good fight. I've kept the faith. Now there is laid up for me. What? The crown of righteousness. And not only to me, but to all those who have loved his appearance. This a crown given for personal holiness for those who were going to enter in. And then, of course, our crown crown of glory, brilliant, unfading, never to diminish, much like our inheritance, which is incorruptible, undefiled, does not fade away, reserved for you in heaven. Isn't that cool, man? Reservations are in, brothers. They're there. They're all set. Your reservations might be tonight, by the way. You never know. (laughs) Wouldn't that be awesome? Amen. I hear that. At least one of you is ready for heaven. Dodger Larry's ready. Maybe after the next game, huh? or the Dodgers win the World Series or whatever. I guess they're playing pretty good, huh? So, <clears throat> and it's crazy to think, his crown was what? Thorns. And yet these are our crowns. Man, isn't it any wonder that the elders there, the 24, that are around the throne, they're, they're for eternity, they're casting their golden crowns. At his feet, because he's worthy. He is worthy. And yet we get these crowns. Amazing. So some application for us tonight, guys. Number one, see yourself as a shepherd. No matter what your qualifications are or are not. And you might be thinking, oh, man, I don't got the qualifications of Peter. Oh, look at yeah, I'm, I'm a novice. I'm still new at this thing. Of course, we know Peter wasn't a novice. You know what? Here's the deal. If you love God... If you love Jesus, if your heart is right, then God can use that. Anybody can be a shepherd who loves Jesus, simply. You have the right heart. And, and he'll give what is needed in the midst of all that. But I love in Hebrews chapter 10, 24 and 25, it's a great scripture for us in these last days especially. It says, let us consider one another. In order to stir up love and good works and this idea of shepherding one another, brothers to brothers, family members, wives, sons, whatever it is, daughters, all these things, people that you don't even really know you, you run into and that we're encouraging. We're, we're stirring up love and good works. We're not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the man or the son but exhorting one another, coming alongside so much more as you see the day approaching. Man, it's important for you guys to be here. It's important to us. It's important to the leadership. It's important to the church. It's that fellowship, that, that coming together. And, of course, it's been difficult with the, the stuff we're dealing with. But we are coming through that. Amen? Almost done with this thing. So see yourself as a shepherd. Number two, shepherd right where you are. What do I mean by that? Ask the Lord to open your eyes to the needs that are right where you're at. Not that you can't come and shepherd at the church, be a part of what's happening here. But man, they're hurting people everywhere. Everywhere. Everywhere you go, people are hurting. Shepherd right where you're at. Minister, pray for opportunities. Your workplace especially. The place where you spend those eight hours most of the time, a lot of times, with people. Man, hurting people. Your homes, your wives, your kids. Man, God, open my eyes. Open my eyes to see really what's going on here with people. And I'll shepherd right where I'm at. Places that you shop. So see yourself as a shepherd. Shepherd right where you're at, but also serve the sheep. And besides loving them... The next greatest example that we can have for Christ who came not to be served but to serve and give life a ransom for many is to serve people. And there's nothing that will twist a person's head off quicker than when you are serving them. You're picking up their dishes you're bringing them their food or something. Or you're, you're, you went out and you, you got food for, like my brother Javez does every Sunday morning, bringing me an a ice-cold, cold brew from Starbucks. I mean, serving, encouraging. Greatest example the impact that you can have on people's lives by serving them. Serving your wives. Do the dishes. When was the last time you made her dinner? Pretty quiet in this room here, brothers. (laughs) Serve and see what happens. In the name of Jesus, see what happens. See how you can impact people's lives just by serving them. And people see that. And, of course, the reason is because of Jesus. Amen? Amen? Amen, brothers. Suffering as a shepherd. Get out there and be a shepherd. Amen? Let's stand, guys. Let's pray. We will go on out into your groups. Father, again, thank you for your word. And I do pray for my brothers here that they would see themselves as shepherds, Lord. And, Lord, they would step into that place with your authority, with your um, anointing, with the unction of the Holy Spirit, Lord, recognizing the needs are so great. The people in our communities and churches and workplaces and families are hurting so bad. And Lord, as we see this crazy world turning upside down over and over again, Lord, so bless them, I pray. Again, Lord, thank you so much for your goodness in our lives. Thank you, Lord, that you are our shepherd and we shall not want. So bless, we pray, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.